Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Happy Monday to you, everyone. Happy New Year. We are back with the coach, Harvey Hyde, talking all about this USC football program. Tons of information has been flowing through the USC football channels. Lots of newsy stuff we need to get to, and we have a ton of questions from all of you out there, so we want to do our best to answer those with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you guys sent it a lot today. As I said, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141. We do prefer if you've got the Apple podcasting app on any of your Apple devices, subscribe to the Parasol Podcast. Leave a five-star rating and any kind of review with comments, feedbacks, feedback, suggestions, all of that. Questions, we can bump you up to the top of the list. But we do love if you can leave us a review. It does help grow the show. And going into 2021 now uh, on the Peristyle Podcast, and we want to keep rolling with all of your questions, all the information. We're going to do that with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing today? Well, I'm great, buddy. And I want to say Happy New Year to you and all of our listeners out there. Let's get rid of 2020 and move into an exciting 2021 and it's up to us to make it happen so let's follow all the guidelines the rules and everything so we always always are on the same page and we all win okay it's difficult to do things when somebody's running one play and someone else is running another play so why don't we all run the same play and win this big game against this virus yeah uh hopefully uh, we can all do that and uh hopefully the vaccine keeps people safe and we keep distributing and all that stuff and we get Normal 2021, as normal as possible. Uh, So we hope for that. So what we're, there's been a lot going on. Um, You know, a couple assistant coaches uh, were let go, uh, fired or or not, uh, contracts renewed, a couple big commitments that USC end up uh, one signee and one uh, verbal commitment for the All-American Bowl signing day show. They didn't have a game, obviously, this year. A bunch of guys opted out early for the NFL. Lots of newsy kind of stuff going on, but we got so many questions cuz we, you know, we had a little bit of a break over the uh over the the holidays. And so coach, I think it might be best to kind of jump into the questions first and then um, you know, anything else we missed we can talk about later. Would that work for you? Sounds great, buddy. Just call the play. All right. Here's I'll call the play first. So, uh this is from Brennan in Kansas. This is referring to, so as we mentioned, so Tim Drevno, the USC offensive line coach, uh, was fired. He, if you recall, back in 2018 was the running backs coach, which didn't make a ton of sense. And then uh, once Neil Calloway was fired towards the end of the season, I think there was four games left, uh, Clay Helton moved Tim Drevno over there, and he was also like the run game coordinator. Also, Aaron Osmus, who was brought in uh, a couple years back as well, his contract was not. Uh, renewed, So they'll be on the lookout for a new offensive line coach and a new strength and conditioning coach. And make sure you check out uscfootball.com for all that. But Brennan in Kansas wrote in, he said, um, just saw the news about Drevno and Osmus out. I can't believe that somehow Clay Helton still survives 
absolutely embarrassing for this university to have a coach be able to have so much turnover yet no responsibility and accountability on his actions. Why isn't this team winning in the trenches? We don't practice hard. Again, embarrassing and unbelievable. Uh, do we not remember how bad the line was before Tim Drevno? We couldn't snap a dang ball. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but when Helton got Aaron Osmus, didn't it take like months for him to even get him? Uh, that's some that's someone he already worked with and knew, and the guy took months to make a deal. Question for the coach. How much uh, turnover has Clay Helton had for every coaching position if you were assistant back in the day? Uh, why the hell would you take a spot under someone who you know has such a high rate of firing people? Sorry for the long email. Just completely frustrated with this circus going on. Respect, respectfully, Brennan in Kansas. Well, uh, normally uh, uh, it starts with the head coach, and the head coach is responsible for every aspect of the game, both on and off the field. Uh, when you talk about off the field, uh, sometimes you get labeled for recruiting as wrong people or why your kids getting in trouble and all of this, and that's a very difficult thing to be in charge of. But you uh, and me, I, I evaluate the entire program both. And when I look at the situation, uh, they've been trying to uh, glue this thing back together. What they do is they have a car that's running and they get a flat and they try to repair it. And, and then they uh, they need a, a new engine and they put a new engine in it. But uh, it's time to trade the car in. What I mean by that, it's time to decide who's and what, who's running the program and how the program's going to be run. And I think that if you watch the playoff games, this basically gives you a description of what I'm talking about. If you watched... Uh, uh, Let's just start with Kirby Smart. When they won their game in the last seconds of the game with a field goal, he coached all all three positions. The special teams, he told the special teams coordinator to get away. He ran that portion of it. The offensive coordinator, he told him to get away. He ran that portion of it himself. He took the defensive coordinator, and he ran the defense. He's coaching the team. He's part of coaching the team, and that's his philosophy, and that's the way he wins. And then again, you look at uh, you look at uh, Nick Saban. He walks the sidelines like a like a tiger or a panther, and he listens to every call. He doesn't yell too much, but once in a while, when he does yell, you certainly can hear him. And you know he's mad. And he allows his coordinators and everybody with their responsibility to take care of it. And if they can't get it done, he gets someone else. And if you can't get it done, you'll get a head coaching job. Okay. And you look what Brian Kelly, Kelly, he's in complete control of the game. Uh, he listens to everything that's going on. He stays calm. He keeps his team calm. He's not running up and down the sidelines trying to figure out what's going on, but he's in control of his team. So everyone has their personality and the way they run their team. And when I look at the team at USC, I don't know who's in charge or how it's being run. And it seems as though by just replacing a uh, offensive line coach or a strength coach. Yes, certainly there are weaknesses in those areas and we could talk about that if you want, but currently with the offense that's being run, doesn't make any difference who your offensive coach is, offensive line coach, because all he does is pass block. And again, they have not recruited. And if I was going to evaluate the offensive line coach, as far as getting help too, as an offensive line coach, you're not recruiting or getting the players that make the difference in the offensive line as far as a running game or passing game. You're not getting the four stars or the five stars. And if you watch the playoff games or the big bowl games, what were all the announcers and everybody talking about and evaluating? 
the trenches, the offensive line, the defensive line, and how they play against each other. Well, I think that's exactly what's wrong currently with the program is no one's in charge as far as one philosophy of doing things the way that the head coach wants it done. And as far as we all know, I think we all know that knows football, and I talked to a lot of football coaches all over the country and in the Pac-12, as far as evaluating programs and players and so on, that when you look at one phase, you can't have one phase. You can't just have all running game. You can't just have all passing game. If you watch all those good teams play this past weekend, and I enjoyed every one of the games, they did it both. If they needed the run, they ran the football. When they passed, they passed the football. They played action pass. They have it all. They have a complete package. They go under center when they need to go out under center. They have packages. Well, that's lacking as far as in one phase of the football uh, philosophy at USC. So no matter who your offensive line coach is, what's the difference except for talent? And you can't be a great offensive line coach unless you have schemes where you get your players a chance to be successful and they got to be great players if you're planning on playing on the next level which is the level of what we saw this past weekend so it's a combination of everything and when you look at the strength and conditioning coach i've never been in uh, and seen his workout i don't know anything about him but all i know there was a lot of nagging injuries and injuries that i could not believe that took so long to get well and sometimes guys were hurt and I wondered how'd they get hurt torn pectoral muscle or something well maybe something in the conditioning program isn't what it's supposed to be or maybe it's not a happy place and what I mean by that I used to want my players to want to go to conditioning because that coach and his assistants sees my players more than my coaches and my assistants because there's more of a off season than there is a regular season so it's got to be an atmosphere in there where players see development and enjoy going in there and being a part of the team and seeing themselves all get better. So I don't know if that's happening, but it better be happening because if you're not doing that, you're not going to get increase the ability of getting becoming a better football player and taking your skills from the weight room to the field. I don't want weightlifters. I want football players who are stronger and faster, and that's where it's developed. That's an interesting point, uh, Coach, because that it seemed like there was more, you know, focus on the weightlifting. But as far as the injuries go, that's been happening for a long time. Maybe that's the, about the culture as well, like you were talking about. It is. There's been a lot of those. I mean, hamstrings, different things. Uh, you know, back injuries. Uh, you know, uh, you know, groins. I mean, all these different types of things that I say. How did this happen? Well, it had to have happened in the off-season conditioning of some type. But that certainly didn't happen on the football field. Now, they've had a number of surgeries, which we all know, that takes a lot of rehabbing, which is a normal thing. But it's always taking so long to get them back, and then it's a continuance of the same injury. I mean, over and over and over that a player really never does really recover. It seems to be that way. And now I don't know what where that's happening or why that's happening, because I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations actually being there. Yeah, well, we'll see uh, going forward what direction uh, Clay Helton goes, bringing in a new offensive line coach and bringing in a new strength and conditioning coach. Um, let's talk about a little positive news. So over 
Uh, the weekend, USC did get a, a new signee. Well, it's a signee that happened uh, in, the early, in the early signing period, February, I mean, in uh, December. Uh, Corey Foreman, the number one player in the country, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings. Corona Centennial, you know him well. The buddy of Drake Jackson and uh, just an absolute stud on defensive end. And then also uh, Sayer Wright, who's a cornerback uh, from Loyola High School. He will sign in February. So a couple of big commitments there, bumping USC all the way up uh, to number eight in the national rankings. But John Abrea had a question about it. And we'll get your thoughts on on that too. He said uh, that the title is hope. He says, uh, a little holiday hope for USC fans, despite six years of irrelevance and mediocrity uh, and not being able to develop players and wasting talent and enduring a head coach who will find any excuse not to play football and a head coach who has no idea how to prepare a team for big games Top recruits in California and across the country still put USC in their top five. Can you imagine what a great coach could do with this program? Uh, what would be on your holiday wish list for USC football? Happy holidays and fight on, John and Brea. Well, John and Brea, it's uh, one of the elite uh, football programs in uh, in the world, USC football. Right now, currently, uh, the tradition of USC football in the horse, travelers recruiting the players. Because their parents remember what USC is all about, and the tradition, and how it was, and what it should be, and all of the above. Kids come to USC because their parents loved USC and wish they could have gone to USC or played at USC, and now their kids have a chance of going to USC. And there's no reason to leave the state of California when you have great universities here in California. Corey Foreman's a great player, teammate of Drake Jackson, as you said. I met both of these kids in Vegas when they were up there a couple of years ago at a camp, and then they also take a tour, Corona Centennial, get in a bus during spring break and go to the different programs throughout the West Coast, uh, every day being in a different uh, program, watching spring practice, had a chance to meet them when they were at UNLV. Both good-looking kids, and at that time really wanted to be a Trojan. I couldn't say this before, but did. I wasn't a bit surprised that they both went to USC. But, you know, you got to take these type of programs or these kids when you get them and utilize them and put them into the right positions and get them to perform so more players want to come so that you play at a higher level. You don't want to opt out and not play any bowl game at all. You want to have a philosophy in your program when you're one of these great programs that these great players want to come so they get on the national scene. And then you get national exposure and you get to play in these big games, the Fiesta Bowls, the different bowl games where these great players want to play. And uh, so I think that it's a great find and a great signee for USC. And I think that will open the door for other great players to take a look. But of course, the bottom line is winning. The bottom line is going to the NFL. The bottom line is being happy and uh, also developing. And I think that if you were to take Drake Jackson and put Corey Foreman on either side of the field across from each other and brought them up the field like you saw the defensive ends coming up the field in the in the college football playoffs and getting after people and then doing inside rushes, you got a hell of a defense because you can't out get outside of them. You have mismatches with your defensive ends on tackles. You're not as quick. You can power rush and do different type of stunts and so on. You could be awesome on the defensive side of the football. You want them playing every single play in the game. You want them to be a part of every single play in the game, not 
half of the time they're running away from him or you're doing something else. So I think you should do that and take advantage of that. I think in the secondary, when you mentioned Wright, hey, they did a great job of recruiting. And I think, again, he became the Williams was what, number two recruiter in the country this year or something like that or number four. So congratulations to him. And with that, he gets a new title, associate head coach, which means somebody's been tampering with him as far as offering him a job. So it gives him a pay raise and a new title. So all of that, you know, uh, shows that great players want to be where other great players are and want to win and want to win big. And the potential is all there for USC. It's just putting the pieces together. You have a missing piece here or there. And, uh, you know, it's got to all be put together with a philosophy that means that we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and I'm coaching this football team. And if you don't believe in going under center, well, it's time you start going under center or I'm going to get my ass fired because you're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And that's the leadership you got to take as a head football coach. Know what it takes to win. Yeah. Um, well, we have another question. You mentioned uh, the how like you know guys like Drake Jackson would be used. Well, first we had Bobby in L.A. Way too long voicemail. Sorry, Bobby, but he's he's just still not excited because Clayton's the head coach, so he doesn't really care that USC gets these top recruits. Duly noted, Bobby. Um, try to keep him brief. But we also have this question about the use of uh, Corey Foreman. Let me play it for you, Coach. What's up, guys? This is Evan from Tempe. Um, I have a question for Ryan and Coach Hyde. Um, so Coach Hyde has obviously been critical of the way that um, Drake Jackson was used this year. Uh, obviously, he thinks he should have his hand on the ground and be rushing from the edge that way and just playing uh, that way. And, you know, now that USC just got Corey Foreman, I want to know, do you guys think that that will change the way that USC will be using Drake Jackson? And I just kind of want to know what you guys think um, and how you guys think that uh, Todd Orlando will be using Drake Jackson and Corey Foreman together because obviously they have a lot of success. I think there's a lot of ways you could make them effective. So thanks a lot. And then if you could also include Ray John Davis because it's looking right now like it's 100 point to him signing uh, with USC as well. So thanks, guys. Well, thank you. You hit it right on the, the head, man. I'd, I'd have those guys in on every play, and I'd have them uh, terrifying the quarterback uh, and the run game. I'd have them coached up. Would they come across the, the line of scrimmage? You play on their side of the line of ball, you just cause, cause havoc. You're running in the blockers, guards pulling, you're doing the whole thing, rushing the passer, You just you're, and you get the, the play at 110%. I tell you what, when you have big guys like that and have great quickness, you got the cream of the crop, man. I just tell my guys, hey, guys, just bring it all back to us in the inside, and we'll take care of everything. I mean, play on their side of the football. Play on their side of the football. When you come up the field, of course, don't give the offset tackle hole, because the linebackers or people have to fill there. But force it back in there, and we'll take care of the business, the bootlegs, the pass rush, the whole thing. So people know they're going to have to move their pocket, but they have to get outside of me too. So I think there, you could have the best pair of defensive ends in the country. I mean, I don't know everybody's potential out there. There's so many great players. But how can you have, when you have two number one guys like that, five stars playing on the outside with that size and that speed, uh, and you don't utilize them to their ability. They're both going to go to the NFL if they play right, and why not play them where they're going to play in the NFL? Drake uh, Jackson's not going to be a linebacker drop-off in the NFL. He's going to come across the line of scrimmage and cause havoc. So give the kid a chance and put him in there and let him be a great player. 
And of course, this is me and my philosophy. Now, you might play him some other way. That's like taking a, a defensive back and making him a nose guard. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me in my thought. Yeah. Um, let's see. So if you guys listened to the uh, Recruiting Blast podcast with Gerard Martinez, he kind of went into a little bit more detail of that. So that came out uh, a couple of days ago. If you want to go back and check that out, Keely and Gerard talked about it. It will be interesting, Coach, I think, to see how those guys are used. Foreman's body type, and he actually at Corona Centennial, he was hurt half the year, but they did move him around. He played some middle linebacker. He seemed like he might be better suited for that role where he would drop back into coverage like a little bit more, where Drake Jackson, you might want to just be getting after the quarterback. But yeah, I think you want to have one guy on one side, one guy on the other. And for the most part, let him, you know, let him wreak havoc in the backfield. Well, a lot of times in high school, you want your best player to be in the play. You don't want people running away from him. So you do a lot of different things with him. You don't want him to know where he's going to be. You know, you put him in the middle. Boots, he can go from sideline to sideline now. And, you know, I didn't see him play that much, so I don't know. But, you know, if I'm going to have a game plan, I'm obviously not going to run towards him. I'm going to double-team him on pass rush and do everything else I can do. Now, if I put him in the middle or if I put him to the wide side of the field, the sideline, at least, is a defensive player for me. So I'm going to put him and move him around where I'm my best player where he can make the biggest plays. And again, uh, that's why you do that sometimes. You know, in high school, you know, you put your best player where he can make more, more, the most plays. So being, but his, co- but his college position and his future is a down lineman going after the quarterback and making all that extra money and being a great football player. Because it, today there's so much passing and different things that are going on, and you have to run. Uh, so well to cover passes and do different things in the NFL. You've got to cover some of these backs and little receivers that are so quick. They're maybe 5'10", but they're so quick that a big guy can't really can't really cover him man-on-man and do some of these things. It's just impossible to do. So I always just say, big on big, big on big, and let's see who gets it done, man. Let's see, find out who's a hammer and who's a nail and get after people. So that's why I mentioned the high school, as far as where they play all these guys, a lot of times you really doesn't say where you should play in college because you usually want to have your greatest players on the field in a position where they can make most of the plays. But when you're in college, you want both of your players. You hope you have the possibility of having two guys like Jackson and Foreman on the field at the same time uh, doing the same thing. Yeah. Let's go to a question. This is from Elizabeth. Uh, Coach, uh, Thank you, guys. Really love your show. Been around USC football for over 55 years. These last five have been difficult. Uh, this last year was just horrible to watch. My question is, do you think that the athletic director and the president will stick their neck out and actually support Clay? I mean by actually giving him a vote of confidence. If they already did and I missed it, maybe you can just let us know. Like I said before, keep up the great work. Also, tell Coach Hi. I met him one time. That man is a Holt Saban, John Wooden type of coach and very well-respected in the football world. Uh, thanks, Elizabeth. I, I don't think there was any sort of vote of confidence from anyone at USC that we've heard of. Uh, but just, re- you know, if you remember, Texas gave, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Tom Herman a, a vote of confidence like a month or two ago and ends up firing him and hiring Steve Sarkeesian. But, uh, yeah, no, no vote of confidence that I heard of, Elizabeth. But uh, what are your thoughts on it, Coach? Well, you know, it depends uh 
uh, what you're looking at. Are you looking uh, for Texas where $20 million and a $10 million buyout for the assistant coaches? Or mean anything? It doesn't mean anything to them because football is so big to them. Now, you don't hear that type of talk really at USC. You don't hear much from the president currently right now. Uh, he's, you know, or I don't think Mike Bone makes much of a commitment as far as saying uh, or making any type of statement, because I'm sure he doesn't have the support to make the decision that he needs to make. And if, if he wants to make it or whatever is necessary, and I think it's difficult for them because they don't know what they don't know. I mean, you know, when you're a college president, the most dangerous person is a person that thinks they know and they don't know. Man, you're in trouble. And I think that you have to rely on people that do know exactly what's going on. And I'll just make it this simple type of thing. How many people in the administration now currently at USC go back to the old years, remember where Julie's was or McKeever's Bells or some of the things where the rich tradition of USC football was? when you could have a drink before you went into the Coliseum and then you can have a beer when you're in the Coliseum. Those days, those days are gone. And when Dennis Packard was the voice on the PA system for so many years, he's gone. With so many of the things that were there before, like the alumni club, San Gabriel, San Fernando Valley, all these different clubs, they're gone. Why are they gone? They worked for so many years. Sure, there's reasons as far as not drinking in the stadium, and I understand that, and that's not my, one of my complaints. But it was a party. People used to get ready for a football game on Thursday, Friday. It was a big, big event. Now, are they making it a big, big event now? Isn't it, isn't it as, a, as important as it used to be? I don't see that coming out of the administration. I don't see that the endorsements and... Uh, and the things that are necessary to get people fired up to think there's a future with USC football. No one makes those type of statements. They just all of a sudden release something that's going on with they're going to make some changes in the coaching staff. That's fine. But how often do you keep doing that? I think that you need to make a statement and say, this guy can do it or he can't do it, and stand behind that. Seven wins wasn't enough at Texas. They want 10 wins. They want 12 wins. They want to be in the, the, uh, the playoffs, college football playoffs. Uh, yeah, USC might mentions that. They mention it. Oh, yeah, the college football playoffs. But do they really know what it takes to get there? Well, who cares? Who's making that type of emphasis to make sure that happens? That's what you have to have, that drive and that leadership from someone where people believe. And all of a sudden on campus, when the college president says, Football is important here. Well, the director of uh, admissions hears that. All the vice presidents hear that. All the faculty hear that. All the alumni hear that. And all of a sudden, it's important at USC. And by golly, we better get it done or I'm going to make some changes around here. So you've got to hear that type of statement and that type of support to get the ear of the people, the players, the coaches, and give the support to the people who know. When you look around USC, the AD's not from USC. Development guy's not from USC. The chief administrator in the athletic department is not from USC. Well, how do they really know how the Trojans feel about football and the days of Pete Carroll, John McKay, John Robinson in the glory years? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, it's, uh, it's a great question, Coach. And 
the the talk you talked about the the buyout in Texas and all of that. We have a question from uh, Curtis on a voicemail. I'll play for you, and we'll get into talking about that a little bit more. Curtis from Moreno Valley just heard that Texas fired their whole coaching staff, and it's going to cost about forty million to buy out everybody and bring in a new staff. Their alumni and boosters are supposed to be kicking in big time. What happened to USC boosters and alumni? All you guys could afford was the crop duster at the Notre Dame game to embarrass the kids or influence the cheerleaders to cheer the fire. Clay Helton, no, this is going to take money. Curtis from Moreno Valley. And real quick, Coach. Uh, yeah, Curtis, I don't think the alumni were influencing the cheerleaders. That was uh, That's something on their own. And the quote-unquote crop duster was a grassroots, you know, movement from fans. And these aren't the f- kind of fans that are can write $20 million checks. That's what you need for something like this. You need to be able to write $20, $25 million, just throw it away, flush it down the toilet, and get rid of your coach. And there's definitely people at Texas willing to do that. The other issue is, or you want to do something like that. Even if someone wrote a check, would Mike Bone be able to just say, okay, we're going to move on? Do you have the support from the president of the university, from the board of trustees? Do you want to have that look? There's a certain look that Texas has now after furloughing staff, after cutting salaries and all that stuff to flush that kind of money down the toilet to get rid of your head coach and bring in a very questionable hire in Steve Sarkeesian, who USC fans are, are well familiar with. There, I don't think, even if you had all the money in the backing, that you would have presidential and board of trustees support to do something like that, the kind of optics it would bring during a pandemic with all the other problems going on in the university right now. There's a ton of problems going on in the university. I'm, you know, I agree. Like, If you could make this move, you should have made the move. And USC decided not to do that. But I think there's the political aspects of it that aren't – you don't have the same kind of support from the president for sure. There's all the issues that USC has off, uh, you know, with all the scandals and the lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. And Texas makes a ton of money. That's the highest grossing revenue uh, athletic department in the country. It's more than USC. So there's a there's a lot of reasons why. Should USC have moved on? Yes, I, I 100% agree that. But there's reasons why it hasn't. And a lot of it has to do with the kind of people that USC brought in and what coach was mentioned before. It doesn't seem to be as important. Football doesn't seem to be as important as it was in some of those other eras. Yeah, you're right, though, Ryan. I tell you what, though, it would sure fix a lot of things in a hurry. Oh, yeah. It would sure get a lot of people back in the program in a hurry. There certainly would be a lot of excitement again, even with this pandemic that's going on and everything. People would be positive. And I'm not saying that I don't like Clay Helton. I'm just saying whatever the move's going to be, if you're going to make a move, you make the move. Otherwise, you come out with a statement like you just mentioned a moment ago. We're keeping him, and that's the way it is, and it shuts everybody up, and you either like it or you don't like it. But saying nothing doesn't do you any good at all. So they've got to uh, decide, as you said, and I've been talking about, that they've got to decide what type of program they want. If the boosters and the big hitters want to uh, make a change, they should make a change because don't feel sorry for Coach Clay Helton because he's going to have a lot of money and be a rich man, okay? And when you're a football coach and you're making $5 million a year or whatever, 
You expect certain things. Uh, you know certain things are going to happen. You know what's expected of you. And uh, you get that in your contract, and you know exactly what your contract is all about. And if it isn't happening, and you aren't happy, or they're not happy, then that's the way it is in the business. Just like Tom Herman, that's the way it is in the business. So, you know, you look at three coaches that were at SC, and I want to congratulate all of them, from Lane Kiffin to Steve Sarkeesian to Ed Orgeron. They were all at USC. They all three got fired by the same AD, and now look where they are coaching. Ed Orgeron won a national championship. Steve Sarkeesian is now at Texas as far as one of the top premier programs, and Lane Kiffin wins a bowl game. Yeah. So congratulations all three of those guys as far as being able to overcome disappointment, being fired, and now moving on. And uh, congratulations to them. So, you know, there is hope if someone wants to take the lead. And some of the big hitters right now aren't sure that they want to give that type of money because they're not sure what the philosophy is. There's no philosophy. If someone was to get everybody together, the college president said, hey, we're going to make a change here. I want to come up with we're going to need $40 million or whatever it is. Or do we have people that want to make a change? Otherwise, shut up. Don't complain about our football program. Hey, you'd see some people move if it was going to be that way. And an Urban Meyer was coming in. You'd see a lot of excitement, okay? But right now, doing nothing, there's no excitement. It's like you like watching paint dry. Yeah. it's uh, You need that excitement. You need people to be excited about the program and they're not excited with with clay helton running the show and i think that's the athletic department's job is they're trying to make it as exciting as possible but they're doing that with the caveat but clay helton will still be the head coach and that's where a lot of fans have an issue all right let's take a quick break and we'll come right back answering more questions Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, this one, let's see, we got a question. Ideas for saving college football. Hello, Paracel Podcast. Happy New Year. With the new year upon us and no big changes in the U.S. League football program other than Graham Harrell taking out his anger for the failings of, of his offense on Tim Drevno, I'd like to pose a philosophical debate uh, question for you. What two or three changes would you make to college football in order to save it from being led by the SEC and controlled by ESPN? Here's mine. Rescind the freshman eligibility rule. Give players a year to acclimate to college academics and enjoy college life without the pressure of earning playing time. 
allow schools to provide scholarship players of any sport with a weekly stipend based on the existing work-study financial aid model. It'd be the federal minimum wage salary rate uh, for a maximum of 20 hours per week for time players spend in practice with coaches. Um, that's $145 a week. Equal uh, sharing of the 130 FBS schools of the TV contract money from college football playoff games. The school making the playoffs each get an extra share, and the two teams making the championship get an additional share. Your thoughts and suggestions? Fight on, John in Oakland. P.S. Any college football revenue sharing has to be simple to avoid the classic scene. I believe that Buddy Hackett is channel- channeling the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, while Jonathan Winters is Larry Scott. Um, well, you, coach. Well, I tell you, um, uh, that is not going to happen because if you remember years ago, I don't know how many of you you can remember how many years. Ryan, you probably don't remember this. Freshmen were ineligible when freshmen came on campus. They weren't they weren't eligible to play. They did have that type of uh, requirement. Then they then they formed freshman teams, and there used to be a freshman team. And that freshman team used to scrimmage against the varsity and sometimes play other teams or junior colleges or whatever to get experience and not be a part of the varsity. And then uh, this came into the, the pro world came around uh, where you, uh, you know, the uh, playing at, at college became a, you want to get out of college as soon as you can so you could be in the NFL and, and this and that. So the red shirting rule used to be so popular that you used to come in and a, and a coach, when he redshirted you, you felt real good about it. You had an opportunity to work on your degree another year and almost guaranteed you graduation. You got bigger, stronger, faster. But then a lot of players don't like to redshirt now, especially the great players, because they want to, that wastes the year. They want to be able to get into the NFL. So it's changing times now. And used to be about education. It used to be about college experiences. It used to be about tradition and spending your four years in the fraternities and memories and so on. Now it's more or less changes. Uh, how quick can I get out of here so I get to the NFL if I'm a great player? Or if I'm not getting my playing time, I better transfer and go to another school or that. So it's a whole different philosophy now in college football. But you don't see a lot of teams that are successful having a lot of transfers. There are transfers that are going on. You don't see players, a lot of players opting out when you're playing for a big bowl game or the college football playoffs. You don't see players opting out when there's a playoff game. There's no play, not one player opt out as far as playing, because they're playing for something that rewards them. So right now, currently, you know, just going to an ordinary bowl game is not something that a lot of players want to do anymore. Uh, And I think that's sad because of the memories and the rings you wear and all of the above. I think it's really, really uh, sad. And I think opting out because you might not want to play a team that might beat you and you have a bad offseason, I think that's bad. I think that's part of life, learning uh, victory and and learning defeat and challenging and learning to get back up and so on. So times have changed. And and the NCAA has never wanted to pay players, and I've never been in favor of that. I mean, I've always been in favor. If you got a scholarship to go to college, look what you've gotten. Four years of your, all of your tuition, meals, academics, travel, everything paid for. I mean, it, you've saved your parents thousands of dollars. So you're really 
are getting paid, and you don't have to pay any income tax on it or anything. You're, it's the best four years of your life going to college. It was for me. I mean, after that, it's all work. So, you know, I, I think it's gotten away from all of that now. And uh, I can see why some players want to opt out. Some players do want to tra- uh, change. And, you know, and I'll give you an, an indication of something that a couple of players that are probably really disappointed. And they're the running backs at USC. You know, you, Carr sits back and watches Harris play in the championship game. And, hey, Carr was one of the top running backs in the country. He, he was like third in the country, and Harris was one. Harris goes to Alabama, Carr goes to USC, and look at the difference as far as where they both are today. And Steps, he could have gone to Notre Dame. It came down to Notre Dame and USC. If he'd have been at Notre Dame, he'd have gone undefeated and played in a, in a, in a playoff game. But both of those backs became pass blockers. So, you know, you have to look at the things that really correct your program. And, and make the changes that are necessary so you can be there and play in these type of programs. It's, it's not the, uh, you know, the little things. It's the overall picture that makes a difference. So that's my feeling on that. And, you know, I've never been for paying players. I think they get paid by a scholarship and, and the way times have changed. Yeah. Uh, John, just real quick on the three points. I don't think any of them will work. Certainly don't like the freshman eligibility rule. You're going the wrong direction there. $145 a week isn't going to change anything. And uh, there's no way they're sharing that kind of TV contract money. I mean, I think if you expand the playoffs, that will help, um, you know, make it less regional. But you're, you have a problem. I mean, if you're, ever, if you're a fan of Colin Cowherd, uh, you know, I've, I've known him well for a while. He loved, He used to talk college football all the time on a show. He doesn't anymore because it's become too regional. And I think that's a real problem. It is more of a regional thing, and yet it's got to change. And also, I'm not sure about Buddy Hackett and uh, Jonathan Winters, but if you're going to make a reference to a classic scene, I think that's a movie from the 60s or something. You probably should say at least what the movie is. Because most, I think a lot of our audience is not going to know. Did you know what he was referring to, Coach? No, I didn't. I didn't understand that. That's why I didn't answer it. I, I think it was I like didn't. it might be Mad Mad World, but it's like a, if that's the case, it's like a 1963 movie that I've never seen. I'm, I don't know, but whatever. But uh, thanks, John, for the email. Let's see. We have um, Peristyle. Could you ask Coach Hyde if he thinks USC is the college equivalent of the Dallas Cowboys or Raiders? Perhaps I'd like his thoughts. What can SC fans learn from the Cowboys and Raiders struggles, mistakes over the years? Thanks. No, I don't think that they are. I think that uh, the Dallas Cowboys are is owned by one person who's the owner, the general manager, the president, the whole thing, and really is involved in the Dallas Cowboys. And he's a guy that needs to put it under somebody else's leadership, sit back and watch on the sidelines. And because he can't fire himself when they don't win. So he needs to, you know, when he had Jimmy Johnson there, who I was got to know pretty good, uh, coach won all-star game with him. Uh, you know, sometimes you think, you know, I told you earlier that I used that term, the most dangerous person is the person that thinks they know and don't know. Now, he played football, and he's got a great empire there. But wouldn't it be easier on him if you watch somebody else do all the things that he's doing and let him run his oil, oil business and everything else and, walk on the sideline like uh, the, the guy from the Atlanta f- 
Falcons who owns Home Depot and all of these guys and running a different crowd. And they both talk about, uh, you know, but to be in the limelight, he likes to be on TV, he likes to be interviewed, he likes to be in the draft room. He, that's his gig. And that's his, it's all on him. When they don't win, it's all on him, okay? Well, at USC, it's basically all on the president and the regents and trustees because they're sitting where Jimmy Jones, or not Jimmy Jones, Jerry, yeah, Jerry Jones is sitting. And they got to want if to get it done. And they give, the, they give your coach and your athletic department all the things that are necessary and you get it done or you get someone else. Because they're both the same type of programs, Dallas Cowboys, USC. I mean, they are. They're both well-known and big-name programs and all of the above. And it's very disappointing when they both don't perform to where they should perform. And I think that's why most of the people call in here, because they expect more. We wouldn't get a lot of calls here or a lot of uh, emails and stuff if they were 11-0. and 0. Everybody would be happy. They'd be drinking their Bloody Mary still and doing all the things at the country club today and playing golf and doing all the things and the students would be fired up and all of the above. I don't think people really understand the magnitude of a winning football program and what it does to unify a university, the students, the alumni, the donations, the whole thing. It's the first thing of the school when the kids come back, the homecoming, parents day, uh, salute to Troy, I mean, all these huge things that kick off the school year and everything. And, uh, you know, it's just part of a prideful thing, and I hate to see that go away. Yeah. And unless you hurry up, it's going to go away. Yeah. Um, Terrence in High Point, North Carolina, class of 94, like along the same lines of everything we talked about, about the, the buy-in from the, the presidents and the athletic directors. We talked about that a little bit. Um, Dan in Pasadena, kind of along the same lines. Um so he says, uh, the problem with Jordan football is that the senior people at USC have changed their priorities of the program. The rest of us pretend it's the same place we knew before. I know this based on a letter I received from athletic director Mike Bone. The letter was written to me to thank me and my wife for our contributions to USC athletics. He said it would help them achieve their, quote, vision of becoming the best scholar-athlete experience in America. And then after a couple of nonsense comments came another surprise. They intended to, quote, compete for championships. Doesn't every team compete? No mention of fight on and win. He has been harnessed by the president who has no clue. As further evidenced by this act of buying her a house that doesn't work for a university president in Santa Monica for $8.6 million, while a very appropriate house that was donated and is now worth $25 million sits unused and could have been a major source for getting a real coach. Until the senior people provide some real leadership, Mike Bone will not need to write more letters to me. As a loyal alum who has contributed to the schools, the Coliseum renovation, and bought season tickets since graduating over 50 years ago, I am done. Dan in Pasadena. Whoa. Well, Dan, uh, you know, you're not the only one that feels like that. Uh, there's a lot of people that I know that the boosters are done because of uh, uh, ask, 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 but don't give, give, give. Uh, as far as the receding, you know, you know all the things that's gone through at the Coliseum, the receding, taking away seats, uh, charging more, raising the prices, all of this, but not giving them the product that they really run, want. That doesn't really work. I mean, when you think about it, how does that work? And on it, uh, you know, when you look at the top levels of trustees and all of them up there, you know, it's like 
anything else. You know, they all all want to like each other, and when they go to a board meeting, they all want to sit there and uh, like each other and don't get in arguments and so on and so on, and difficult to, you know, make uh, those type of decisions uh, that are necessary for the university. But they all know wherever they go, people are yelling at them like they are politicians, telling them about what their thoughts are, but they're afraid to go in there and make a strong stand and say, hey, uh, Ms. Soltuk, you know, this is what we want out of you, and if you can't do this and you have a different vision of our university, we'll buy you out too. And they got to make that type of understanding with people of where we are and what we're accomplished. We just put $300 million in the the Coliseum for what? A study hall? What are you going to have, a study hall in there? I mean, what are you going to put in that stadium? I mean, people aren't going to come to that stadium. They're paying $5 million for a box. They're not paying $5 million for a box to come in there or paying the Cardinal Gold and these revenues. They're not coming there to look at you lose or not have the pride in the band and all the thing, travel or run around. That's part of it. Well, unless they make these type of decisions and strong decisions, it ain't going to happen because yeah. everybody's afraid of themselves. So, you know, those guys have got to be they're put there for leadership, Ryan, and they got to get that done and pass that down. Otherwise, clean house, clean house and start over. Yeah. We got a couple more for you, Coach. This is from Jeff. It's his high school girlfriend analogy. Uh, he says, Ryan, I know you love the food analogies, but this analogy on how USC football makes me feel. He said, sorry, it's long. Uh, I've been in love with the girl since, uh, like, grade school. She's the hottest girl in school. She took me to the Rose Bowl when we first started dating, and I fell head over heels in love with her. I even gave her a promise ring. She loves uh, taking weekend trips to visit Clay, who is a college guy, but they are, quote, just friends. And she wants to visit the college. She takes money from my wallet and borrows my car. And I don't hear from her for days at a time. But she always comes back and apologizes. My friends don't like what she does to me. And my parents hate her. This year, we went to a party at ASU. And she spends the whole night flirting and dancing with other guys. But you know what? At the end of the night, she came home with me. She did the same when we went to a UCLA party this year. But again, she came home with me. Well, a few weeks ago... When we went to an Oregon party, and after flirting and dancing with a guy all night, I expect her to leave with me, and surprise, she didn't and disappeared on me. She texted me and said she was going to spend some time in Eugene visiting her, quote, friend Mario, and she was going to cancel our Christmas plans and New Year's Eve plans. Naturally, I'm brokenhearted and don't want anything ever to do with her ever again. I'm moving on. Then today, she shows up at my doorstep with the top recruit in the country and apologizes and tell me how much she loves me. So naturally, I give her my credit card and my car. Because she needs to go shopping at the mall and all is forgiven. This is my life being a USC football fan. I want to hate them so bad. And I actually do hate them most of the time. Uh, That's from Jeff. (laughs) What do you think, Coach? It's kind of funny. Jeff, you're my man. I'll tell you what. At least you will call in and you're honest about what's going on in your life. I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't know what to tell you on that one, buddy. I've never been faced with that in my coaching situation. But with my wife from... When my wife was my girlfriend, uh, normally that didn't happen in my home, okay? Uh, and I think you have to find someone who's more or less committed to your program, okay? <laughs> so you're telling them to stop being a USC fan coach? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to cancel you on that one, buddy. I just, I would just say uh, uh, good luck. 
Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it is funny because, you know, it is like this flirting thing where I, I like the analogy when you're saying, Hey, I'm flirting with, uh, you know, with uh, Herm Edwards over at Arizona State. Uh, it looks like she's left you for for Herm, and then she comes back. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it, I felt like USC was flirting with losses there the whole season, and then it actually, you just sort of believe that, oh, they'll just come back and win at the end, and that didn't happen against Oregon. But, um, you know, good one there, Jeff. Well, thanks for sending that one in, a little uh, levity towards the end of the show. We got one more, um, Ryan in Orange County. Uh, if Clay Helton and his staff had been the coach of the twenty three uh, 2003 to 2005 era teams, how do you think those teams would have fared? How many games do you think they would have won? Although Helton and crew would not have been able to recruit that level of talent, of course. Ryan in the OC. What do you think about that, Coach? I don't think they'd have known how to handle it, okay? I think it would have been bigger than what they are. They would not have understood, first of all, how to recruit that type of talent to fit into the tradition and what the offense and defense philosophy was and the white flag and the people afraid to come into the Coliseum. And they used to, when I walk out the tunnel or the coach would walk out, he'd say, coach, just let up on us. I swear, just let the clock run. I mean, that used to be a punishing. It wasn't like a victory that the Trojans wanted. They wanted to hurt you. They wanted you to remember when you went home and you flew all the way home that, man, I don't want to go back there again. So, I mean, I don't think that's what they're, their thoughts are. I don't think that's uh, how they act or talk. I think that the the offensive side of it is not. I think the defensive side has the spirit of it. As far as when I hear them, that one day we were at spring practice, yell and scream and do this and that. I don't know if they they don't have the players that they had then, and I don't know if they you know they used to run basic defense at USC, basic fifty defense, and they didn't do much studying or do anything else. They just sing. Bring yours, and I'll bring mine, and we'll see who's. I'll put my big man on your big man, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. And uh, today it's more of, of uh, what do you want to call it? practice against air, so you're always right. Uh, it's a different philosophy and a different type of program that people aren't used to at USC. Now, not that Clay Helton can't do that, but he's got to have people surrounding him that believe in that. And right now he doesn't have that on one side of the football. I'm not sure on the other side because I haven't seen enough. Yeah. I mean, to me, college football is about having the right leadership and Pete Carroll was the perfect leader at the time. And that's why USC was successful. Like what, why wasn't USC good with Paul Hackett? If you just insert uh, a failed head coach into that same time frame, it wasn't because something magical was in the air in Los Angeles in 2004. It was because Pete Carroll led it. So if it wasn't a, a, a coach as good or better than Pete Carroll, then you wouldn't have the same kind of results. So yeah, would, would this staff have a whole ton of success in those years? Even if you gave them USC's players then, no. I, I, we've seen no. the staff not be able to do things with some great players. And, you know, that. I, yeah, I feel like you have to have the great leadership. You have to have the great coaching, and that's what Pete Carroll brought. You don't have it right now. That's the big problem. So putting a coach from this era into that era, if if USC had a great head coach right now who was winning or you know going to the playoffs and stuff, and you said, oh, you put him in 2004, yeah, they probably had a lot of success then too. 
Um, it wasn't about the time. It was more about the leader. And you had a better leader then than what you do now. Yeah. And, uh, just to uh, say something about positive about Clay Helton, you know, he's 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 in a position where he's damned if he does and he's damned if he don't. You know, he has to hear all of this type of stuff all the time and people up and down about him and so on. You know, uh, he's got to be able to have the knowledge and talk to somebody and sit down and that he respects and say, uh, possibly, you know, sometimes what am I doing wrong or what do I need to do to correct some of the things as a person out there that that watches our program, uh, how would you evaluate our program? And not sit back and listen to p- other people tell him that that really don't know, or people on his staff or individuals. I mean, he needs to really find out a way to save his program and save his job. Yeah. And unless he's willing to do these type of things, it's going to be like this forever. For him, until the university uh, makes a statement one way or another what they want to do. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. A lot of questions we had to get to today, uh, but thanks for uh, getting through them. And we'll get on a more regular schedule here going forward, but keep sending those questions in. We love them and uh, we appreciate them. And uh, we will, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon, Coach. Okay, buddy. And thank you very much. And Happy New Year to everyone out there. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Make sure you go check out uscfootball.com for tons of info on the Trojans 24 hours a day. But that's the coach. I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.